2: Hello and welcome to the Total Saints Podcast. I'm Martin Stark and I'm joined by our panel of guests to discuss all the action from another interesting week supporting Southampton Football Club. This episode of TSP is streaming live on our Facebook and our Twitter pages and you'll also find it on our official YouTube channel. So if you're watching live on Facebook or YouTube you can get involved in the conversation using the comment section. This week on the podcast Have Saints Slip Back Into Old Habits. The results would certainly suggest so. Back-to-back home defeats to Newcastle and Watford were we'll discussed both games and it's a break from the league next weekend with the visit of Manchester City in the FA Cup so we'll preview that game. First of before, let me introduce you to this week's TSP guests. Glenda Lecour is the writer of the weekly Saints blog, League One minus ten. I know you weren't mummy me mentioning because you put this on social media this week, but you missed games. <laughs> um, and if you were, yes, two games to miss this season, you probably picked the right ones. To be fair. <laughs> Uh yeah how is that line looking is it still faint it's, it's a very very faint line um uh, there was a horrifying moment when
3: i thought i would actually be able to go today um, <laughs> but uh, but luckily the line turned a, a slight you know off pink colour so uh, so i managed to skip it which um, became more and more lucky as the uh, as the game went on i think so yeah i'm feeling fine a couple of rough days last week but uh, yeah missing missing the games though no, the bottom line is I'd like to have been there. Then, of course, we'd have won because we never lose when I was. Well, that's I, The uh, other sort of thought is that, uh, yeah.
2: yeah, maybe they thought they could get away with it because you Yeah, there. that's what it's all about. I think
3: because <laughs> I wasn't there, they turned in three out of ten performances. But, uh, no, I'd like to think that. But, uh, no, not, not the case. Yeah, um, well, barring having the longest stint of COVID ever, I'll be back there for… Um, for the uh, for the game next weekend against uh, against Manchester City, but uh, but yeah, if I could have chosen two uh, two games to miss, I think I don't think I could have chosen uh, any wise any more wisely.
2: <laughs> I did read a comedian I think this week saying that getting COVID this late in the game is like buying a Dreamcast. It's it's a bit <laughs> it's a bit leaving it a bit <laughs> late.
3: Well, but, it hasn't got, it hasn't gone away, has it? I know in the news. No. You know, everyone seems to think that Putin's got rid of it, but because that's all <laughs> they're talking about. But uh, no, it definitely hasn't gone away.
2: I'm well, glad that you're with us. Ben Stanfield is the founder of the Total Saints podcast, jumping in this week in the absence of Steve and Dan. Do you think they knew what was going to happen <coughs> Ben, is that, is that why they're away this week? I, I, that's the only thing I can think it
4: must be, Martin. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I managed to find out that Dan was on the West coast of America and I thought he was just trying to avoid Alan Sam Maximan after the Twitter spout the other week. But of course then uh, Sam Maximan as will come on to, he didn't even turn up at Samaris either. So they both avoided each other, didn't they? But yeah, it's uh, it was, as you said last week, a little bit
2: ironic that they were both away at the same time. There we go. I think, uh, One of them will be back next week anyway, so um, they can explain all about that. Uh, Also joining us this week is Saints fan and journalist Nick Harris. Welcome, Nick. Great to have you with us this week. What's your your earliest Saints memory for those that aren't aware of you
0: and and what you do? Probably the earliest clear memory is the 1976 FA Cup final. I wasn't there. My dad was. Uh, He was sitting just behind the Queen. In the World box, that's the last FA Cup final the Queen ever saw at Wembley Stadium. She didn't need to see football after that. she'd seen the greatest day in <laughs> Wembley history. So I remember watching my dad. I had been to the Dell before that. I grew up in Nottingham in uh, in the era of Brian Clough's all-conquering Nottingham Forest as a Southampton fan because my dad uh, grew up in in Regents Park, Shirley. Uh, so I was I was already um, you know a Saints fan from birth. So yeah, my earliest clear memory was watching watching the '76 final on telly, and then all the all the stuff that followed. The day we signed Keegan, mm. so many lattis memories. Much later, Shearer, uh, Mick Shannon, standing in car parks in the late '70s and '80s to get the autographs of Nicky Holmes and, uh, and people like that. So yeah, '76 was the first clear one.
2: Well, it's great to have you with. Us. I'm not sure this week is going to go down in history, but uh, we'll get <laughs> on to that. Welcome to episode 190 of the Total Saints podcast. This is the Total Saints podcast with Martin Stark, Steve Grant, Glenda LaCour and the athletics Dan Sheldon. So lots of talk about bouncing back, seeing a reaction, putting things right, but it all came to nothing really. Uh, a dreadful home defeat to a team in the bottom three today. Glenn, same as last week really, where do we start with this? It was disastrous.
3: It was very, very poor. Um, we we've, we've gone from looking like a team that, you know, was playing well enough to push for a Europa League place to looking like a team that <laughs> the season started a week ago we'd be thinking we're going to get relegated this year mm-hmm. we've we've been that bad in the last two games i think today was i think we yeah, we'll get on to the newcastle game there was a certain amount of inevitability about losing that one but <laughs> but today we should not have you know we should not have lost to watford but we we made them look like prime brazil at times uh, we just we just weren't on it they, they, they weren't they were enough hard work they weren't enough closing down there was certainly not enough urgency especially in the second half um and We were lucky to still be in the game at half time. to be Mm -hmm. honest. To to go in 2-1 down was a right result because, honestly, if if Watford hadn't butchered a couple of openings that they had when they... They seemed to be constantly breaking four on three. And luckily, Emmanuel Dennis, who was the the striker that I picked out as being the main threat, had had a shocker and just kept choosing the wrong pass and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah, to, to to get to half-time, just the 2-1 down was reasonable, but the um, the kind of expected cavalry charge in the second half just didn't really materialise. We had a couple of half-openings, but never really you know for my money looked like scoring and mm. um yeah and that was it. that was it it was just it was just poor but you you can't give away goals like we've started to give away the last few weeks and expect to win games against anybody and I think that's been uh that's been proved both against Newcastle and today
2: Vanessa who's watching on Facebook says I also missed today's match due to COVID and I'm actually slightly relieved as well so uh <laughs> thank you for uh thanks for watching Vanessa thank you for the comment uh Ben what did you make of it all today
4: yeah, I think the word that I've seen around a lot and I'd, I'd written down at the top of my notes here, Martin, frustrating. Um, I, I agree with what Glenn said. It, it, You know, it could have been more. I think we were sort of grateful in the end that it was 2-1. I think second half, you know, they had probably more opportunities than, than we did and we'd made the right sub at, at half time. Arguably that, potentially should have been the starting lineup. I know there was a lot of chat after the West Ham game and Hasenhutl effectively getting it right. Maybe there was questions today about his lineup, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But I just, I thought it was all a bit one-paced. You know, as Glenn said, we never really looked like scoring. I thought we were really sloppy, particularly that first goal, with the sort of thing you'll see down Riverside Park a lot, on a Sunday morning and uh, just I, I, it just felt like they were really casual it's almost like they turned up thinking Watford are in the bottom three we'll be fine we can go through the motions and we'll get a win here and it never happened and uh, you know as I said I think even in the second half Fraser Forster arguably had more to do than Ben Foster which was really frustrating I thought and as I say, I think that's the, the word that kind of sums it up
2: uh, ben, who's watching on Facebook, says uh, all the hard work over December, January, and February has been undone, and we looked bang average again. Nick, is that was that a d- display today just to prove that we are kind of back where we were, and perhaps we got a little bit carried away with with the run of good results?
0: No, uh, I, I'm going to be a lot more optimistic and, and glass half full about what's happened this week because I didn't think we were that terrible uh, against Newcastle, uh, which we'll come on to later. Uh, Today, the first half was just abysmal. I mean, Salisu clearly is is not quite back on it. He was back on it later in the first half and the second half, but in the 11th minute, he made an error that Yao Pedro shot free in front of goal and it was only that great Bednarak block that stopped it being 1-0 then and then forced, screwed up with his pass effectively to, to, to a player. Salisu played a hospital pass back under hit that's 1-0 2-0 nil. Nil defenders AWOL uh, Perot was covering the centre because no one else was there which meant that um, uh, Hernandez managed to get behind him instead of being where in position so that's you know 2-0 it, it, it's a disaster and then obviously the Alenusi goal goal at half time so the second half was fine. Yeah, it was a bit meh. It wasn't terrible. We we were sort of, uh, again, like against Newcastle, we were wasting chances. But um, but I don't think it, it sets us back to sort of pre-December from Boxing Day, the 3-2 at West Ham, when suddenly Southampton have a backbone, you know, suddenly for the first time in ages, we are coming from behind to win a game. And then throughout the rest of December, January and February, you know, we're seeing... Certainly, the Tottenham game, the three-two at Tottenham, that's the best. I don't know about you guys, but that's the best Southampton performance I've seen in five, six years, maybe since certainly since Cooman um, era, Pochettino. And I think if you look across the whole piece, you don't just this doesn't take us back to where we were. I think there are other reasons about what happened at Newcastle and what happened today. For me, today was hugely about. Complacency. It was also about Ralph overthinking it again. Will spawn probably shouldn't have started. You know, the Newcastle game was a bit complacency and a bit the fact that Newcastle were desperate for the points much more than we were because we are effectively safe. So, so no, we're not. We're not back to pre Boxing Day. uh, For my money, very disappointing. Three defeats in a row is absolutely terrible. We're not taking our chances. But today was about complacency, as was Newcastle. And I still think there are. Reasons to be optimistic: One, we're not in a relegation fight. Two, there's still something to play for this season. We're, you know, chances are we won't beat Man City, but we could. The FA Cup is still alive as a trophy chance. Three, before the Aston Villa defeat, there were some serious suggestions that Manchester United had Ralph on their list. Mm. I don't. I'm, I'm still fully behind Ralph. I think next season, in a non-COVID season, with, with the ground and his squad and, and the new owners coming in, that actually. You know, I'm optimistic about next season already. And, and and I think the chances of Ralph going have diminished because we've lost three games in a row. So I'm definitely half glass full on that. And four, you know, we've got the new owners. I'm, I'm optimistic to see what they're doing. We're not like the owners, you know, of the two clubs involved at Stamford Bridge today and, and all that sort of uh, malarkey, you know. So no, we're not back to square one. And it's been a bad week, terrible first half today. Mayor against Newcastle. And Aston Villa was. I didn't see it. I listened to it. It was a hard listen, but mm. but I, I still see overall there is progress there. That's my take. Nick,
2: we're not used to this optimism on the
0: podcast. <laughs> no, you're <not. laughs> well. Well, look, I am. I am a fan, so I've been. I've been there, and I've done it through all the years. But I do think there is something about this group of players that Tottenham performance more than anything made me think. Uh, made me sort of just very very hopeful. And what it also told us is the eleven who started that day and then started against Manchester United, which I think now there's a consensus that that is our best 11. Mm-hmm. Although I think there's an interesting debate to be had about, um, about uh, Livramento and whether um, Walker-Peters should be starting on the right and Perot on the left. And we can get into that a bit later if you want. But that 11 is a good 11 when they're all firing and they're all fit and they haven't had COVID and they have, they're have they not coming back from knock. So on our best day with the best players playing, that's a good, good team. And I think that's reason for optimism. But we also have to accept that Salisou is going to be out and they're not quickly get back to it. That Brozier might go off the pace for a bit, as he did against Newcastle. That Liveramento, he has dropped off markedly in the last half a dozen games compared to, say, the first 10 games of the season. So, yeah, we, there are reasons for optimism. And I think we should be... I don't think we. I'm not saying we have to focus on that. I'm just saying I prefer to think that there's there's a lot of good stuff happening from ownership down to pitch level that we can still be optimistic about despite a terrible set of three results that we've just had.
2: Yeah. And Glem, we've kind of learned not to criticize the team selection and we had to bite our tongues a bit today, but to start with just one recognized striker against Watford did raise a few eyebrows, didn't it? Um Perot and Smallbone coming in for, for Livramento and Ambrosia.
3: Yeah, I mean Brosia's dropped off the last you know, the last few weeks. He's he's no he's not looked he's not looked very lively, maybe he's just tired. But um and after the Newcastle game when Adam Armstrong actually did okay when he came on, um I don't think many people would have been surprised to see Brozier left out this game and, and Armstrong play. Uh, I agree with Nick about Ralph overthinking it, because to put Will Smallbone in the team ahead of Adam Armstrong or even Shane Long it was was a real left field shout which must have been based on something seen on the training ground. Now, Will Smallbone, we tried him as a, like a number six defensive player. Doesn't work too lightweight. We've tried him sort of in that sort of central number 10 role, if you like, just off the main striker. That's never worked before either. Again, it's it's probably down to physicality in our, in our system. He only seems to be suitable for playing in the wide positions. So I don't, I don't understand the the need to try and shoehorn him into the team in, in that position um centrally the The other issue it caused today is that well one he hardly touched the ball in the first half. it just seemed to be chasing it around the whole time and Chay Adams likes to run the channels and if you're running the channels and you're the only striker, that basically means there's no one in the you're box and that. that that seemed to be an issue in the first half now to me once i mean people might think it's harsh to haul, you know haul him off at half time, but to be honest. And, and fair play t- to Ralph for, for doing that, because he realized he had to do something. To be honest, he could have hauled him off as soon as Watford went ahead, because it was pretty obvious from that point on, we were going to need all our sort of attacking resources, if you like, to get back into the game, because we knew how Watford were going to play. They were just going to camp on the edge of their own box and go break us down, because every team knows that we're not great when there's no, you know, no spacing behind. And, and so it proved. So uh, yeah, it was a it Was a strange team selection, uh, and I'll you know, I will say that you know, Ralph got that wrong at the start, but at least he had, um, at least he had it about him to change it at half time because, yeah, yeah on, on one on one level at, at least, it must have been quite a difficult thing to do.
2: What did you make of the, the changes, Ben? Because that was Will Smallbone's first Premier League appearance since December, I think. Did he do enough? Uh, evidence would suggest not, and, and when we set up. It would have worked okay had we got that first goal. Was that was that always going to be the key?
4: Yeah, I, I think so. Um I, I think Will Smallbone is a very honest player. I think he you know he's young. I think we have to remember that. I think he he he's someone that as Glenn said, I think maybe it was the tactics that let him down today rather than his performance. Um I totally agree. For me, you know, I was thinking through that 30-35 minute period. He could easily take him off now and bring on another striker because it was clear that that was the the obvious change to make. I just wanted to, a touch on Brozier though, actually, because I, I saw quite a few people saying after the Newcastle game, you know, he had a shocker and things like that. And I think you kind of have to remember with him as well. You know, he is only 20 years old. This is his first season in the Premier League. I think you also have to remember that there's been a lot going on at Chelsea the last few days. I think the Newcastle game was the same day as all the news came out about Chelsea. There's probably a lot going on in his head about where his future lies and things like that as well. So taking him out of the firing line maybe wasn't the 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 a bad thing to do Martin but I think possibly I would have gone with Adam Armstrong and given him a chance. I think he did well in the cup game the other day would have given them some energy up front as well. So yeah I do think Ralph got it wrong today. You know we know that he got it right against West Ham. So I suppose that's the life of a manager.
2: Yeah. And yeah. and Nick too too many players just having an off day is that what we put it down to today? The likes of Romeo and, and Armstrong you know when they're on top of their game they're they're unplayable at times. But this week it, it's not been a great week for for some of them.
0: Yeah, I mean Forster. You know, he made he made um, he did make a couple of a couple of saves, but in the fourteenth minute, <laughs> I mean, what is he doing? And then what is Salicy doing? So Forster didn't have a good game. You could go through the team, Stew, because because of the way they set up, it was almost like Stew was I don't know what he was thinking. Right, I now have to play. A striking role rather than his normal game where he's like creative and supplying so so obviously he was subpar because he was you know things that were being expected of him I, shouldn't, I didn't think Oriol had a terrible game and I was actually quite concerned when he got taken off later that that you know Ralph might and you know taking that one more pillar out of the defensive unit might actually let Watford you know increase their lead but yes Morebone wasn't great uh, Broya again he wasn't great yeah there were there were subpar performances across across the team and this is the thing when you've got our best 11 which we generally agree on on the pitch and they're all playing really well we can do stuff like tottenham but when you've got just two or three of them subpar or we haven't got the 11 out there and two or three of the others are subpar we end up with results like newcastle and uh, and today so uh, yeah i mean it's it's frustrating and I don't know. I don't. There's no easy solutions, but I do think there is still hope there that we did have that period of consistency. Aside from that Wolves defeat in that run from Boxing Day to the end of February, that, that sort of give us. That's the best consistency we've had in three years under under Ralph. So, yeah.
4: yeah. And the other thing I just wanted to touch on as well, Martin. I'm fairly sure that Ralph has said before that Stuart Armstrong can't play three games in a week, um, and to my knowledge, he has played 90 minutes three times this week so yeah. I thought he looked I thought he looked off it today you know he is one of our most creative players you need him to be on top of his game so has there been a bit of mismanagement with him this week in the desperation to try and get points arguably and therefore you know it's almost had a knock-on
2: impact with him and we've got that international break coming up as well soon hasn't we which is uh, <laughs> it's never good when he comes back um, after some time away Glenn is it ironic that we just kind of we settled on our our best 11 or what we we've discussed it at length we think it's our best 11 and then um, it was always going to be that a few of them would would have subpar. games Games and we we struggle. I think a
3: point Ben made earlier on is about the relative youth of the team. You're always going to get inconsistent performances from young players. Mm. And you can certainly add Salasu into that as well. You know, he, he is only twenty-two. He's had a you know he's obviously got a bit of a question mark over him injury wise that might be playing on his mind a little bit. And, you know, he, he wasn't great today. But it, even the players that you think of as being a little bit more experienced, I think Perot's only 23, Walker Peters is only 24. It's not as if these are, you know, 29 year old, 30 year old hardened professionals. I mean, well, Romeo's 30, isn't he? You know, so he hasn't got that excuse for not having the greatest game to today. But, uh, you know, and, and you have to remember as well, we are what we are. We're not, we're not a top six side for a reason and this this is one of the reasons is that we're never going to be consistent over 25 games you know the sort of run that a Manchester City or a Liverpool can put together it's just it's just not feasible to expect that and that and that unfortunately goes for the players it also goes for the manager and it it goes for the whole club really even the fans sometimes we're really up for it and sometimes we're just you know sometimes it's, it's a little bit flat so I think you just have to accept that 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 is the way we are and that is the way it will be sometimes as it is for most mid-table sides. I mean, I, I noticed that Aston Villa have gone above us in the, in the table. Now, they've already sacked one manager this season and after Gerard's initial bounce, they lost like four games in a row and and now they're now they're back to win, you know, picking up points again. I think they lost today, did they, or yesterday? But mm. uh, there are lots of ups and downs for for mid-table sides. But what we've got to guard against now is this going from three defeats in a row to five, six, seven defeats in a row, and and then you've you've got a problem. So and that's the major disappointment about today because today was supposed to be the day to sort of nip it in the bud and uh, <laughs> and get go, get going again in the right direction, but it didn't happen. Mm. So it's got to
2: happen in the next league game, whenever that is. Any decent performances today, Ben? Any any positives to take away from that? I thought Carl Walker Peters had another great game.
4: Yeah, I was trying to think of positives. The one positive I wrote down was that we played badly and lost. If we played well and lost, that would have been pretty depressing. But yeah, he was the only person I could really think of, Martin, that could could probably say he was a, a seven or eight out of ten. Ironically, probably the same in Newcastle game as well. It's it's you know he's been very consistent the last few weeks. Um, I think you know he is going back to Nick's point earlier. For me. Despite what happened today, I still think Carl Walker, Peters and Perot are the more balanced fullbacks at the moment. Livermore was excellent before he got injured, but I think at the moment it's the right move to have Carl at uh, a right back. But yeah, I thought he was good getting forward today. A little bit frustrated maybe that the, the, the final ball wasn't there. But um, I thought out of everyone on the pitch today from a, a Saints point of view, I thought he was the
2: standout. And Nick, we've had um, various discussions uh, on the pod over the last few weeks and months about the, um, the defensive partnerships and where the, the players fit in. What would your take be on Carl Walker, Peters? Perot, Livermento, how does that work best for you?
0: Well I was looking at the, the stats and, and the, the performances after the Newcastle game. So this is not including today. Perot's played seventeen games, all competitions this season. He's only and before today, he'd only be involved in four defeats, and that was away at Everton, Liverpool, Wolves and Villa. So he had seventy whatever, seventy-seven percent non-losing. Are you winning or drawing, and that's not bad. Those are good. Incidentally, I'm pretty sure in, I'm right in saying today is the first time Saints have lost this season in any competition when Kyle Water Peters has played right back because um, he'd only he'd he'd had seven losses out of 26 appearances, at all competitions uh, this season before today, and they were Wolves at home, Chelsea away, Norwich away, Liverpool away, Arsenal away, Villa away, and Newcastle at home. Obviously, the other day, and he played uh, left back. In all of those, mm. so I, I was trying to work out. What you, you know, I was just sort of exploring this issue of where does Livermore fit? Livermento had, had has had eight losses from twenty six games, which is the highest loss rate of of any of those three. And so for my money, I agree with Ben. I think I think Perot is our best left back. He's an, and and Walker Peters certainly since livermento has gone off the boil after injury is our best right back. And but Carl Walker Peters plays really well, really consistently on either flank. But I kind of think our best pairing in terms of full backs is Kyle Walker-Peters at the moment at right back and Perot at left back. But yeah. uh, obviously, Livramento did so well in the early part of the season when, of course, we didn't have a win in seven games, but he was mm-hmm. shining in, in a team that wasn't getting the results. So that would be, and then centre-halves, I think, it's pretty obvious. Salisu uh, should be the first name in the team sheet when he's back and recovered and probably with... With Bebnarek.
2: do you think we've rushed Salazou back a bit too quickly, Ben? As, as fans, we were desperate to see him come back in, weren't we?
4: I don't, I don't think so. I think for, you know we needed him back. I think last week at Villa kind of showed the hole that uh, he leaves behind. I think it just, it just shows, doesn't it? You can't be off it in the Premier League against anyone. You know, anyone that if if you're a, a four, five, six out of ten, you know, other teams are going to take advantage of that. And yeah, he was poor today. The, the last hour of the game, he was probably a lot better. But that first half an hour, he, he you know, he's one of those players we know. He's, he's very relaxed on the ball and sometimes he's too relaxed you know, and sometimes he takes chances that he shouldn't take and plays out when it's easier to play back and things like that but I mean that first goal today it's, it's just the old school isn't it if in doubt just lump it you know and he didn't do that and uh, you know everyone makes mistakes I think we realize that you know as, as you, we've said on the pod before you know we haven't got 50 60 70 million pound van dykes at the back anymore so you have to realize that that's part of his development but for me I think we needed him back and I'm surprised that he's kind of um, being involved the way he has the last couple of games. And maybe it does just show that you can't drop out for a few games and then naturally come back in and get up to speed straight away.
2: And Glenn, should we have got anything out of that? I know there was the penalty shout at the end, wasn't there, and, and VAR got involved, but if it, there wasn't much in that really. Well, it's an interesting one because I'm
3: sure there's been one, one interpretation of the handball rule over the last couple of years where that probably would have been given as a penalty because at the end of the day, his arms were up and the mm-hmm. ball hit his arm. He was actually facing away the other way. Mm-hmm. So if he'd been facing... The, you know, towards the ball, I do think it probably would have been given because his arms were up above his head. So it'd be hard to argue that he did it deliberately, but who knows what the rule is these days anyway. It's one of those ones I think if they'd said to the referee, go and look at it and then slowed it down, they may well have they may well have given it, but but they didn't do that. To be honest, we didn't deserve anything out of the game anyway. If we'd been given it, it would have been an absolute travesty. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, it, it, you know. So to to be honest,
0: I have no problem with that not being given. Yeah, it would all. have been very harsh. I mean, it, it, you know, he didn't he didn't he like you said he had his back to it. He didn't know where the ball was. It, it hit him quite high on the arm. I, it wasn't deliberate clearly it would have been very yeah. harsh on Watford yeah he'd have
3: to be some sort of criminal mastermind to work <laughs> out that I'm going to jump with my arms and not face the ball like this and it was it hit. was one
4: of those yeah. days as well wasn't it where I think that was like the 90th minute and they just kept showing replays and they were almost like teasing you and you knew they weren't going to give it because it was one of those days but yeah I mean no. for me I didn't think it was a penalty but as mm-hmm. Glenn says you don't know what a handball penalty is these days anyway so
2: no that's uh, that's very true a couple of comments from Ralph afterwards Ben one was not our highest level with the ball and not our highest level against the ball which um kind of like sums up the day really but he was also talking about the the time wasting from a team like Watford is that something we need to get better at because the the, the authorities aren't going to stamp down on that do they we need to just not get as frustrated no I think the
4: emphasis is on on us Martin we we've allowed them to do that by giving them soft goals you know you know what teams are going to do away from home Newcastle did it the other night you let them go ahead they're going to roll around they're gonna take time out of the game we've done it over the years you know ryan Bertrand was king of doing that oh, for, yeah, for yeah. saints for for many a time so i I, th- I think it's easy to kind of blame other teams when that happens to you but actually if you give them the chance to do that you know they're gonna they're gonna take advantage of it so that's football in this day and age and we just need to to suck that one up i'm afraid Make the yeah. most of it yeah
3: i'll I, I tell you what though if, if, if i could wish for one thing for next year that referees to do is start booking players for time wasted in the first mm. half. Don't just mm-hmm. leave it to the 85th minute. If they're mm. doing it from the 30th minute onwards, then that's always happened though, Glenn, hasn't it? I mean, yeah. goalkeepers, oh, always, they, they time waste and then they happened. get a yellow card
4: in the 89th minute or something, yeah. as you say, but no, you're no, right. You're spot on. You're spot on.
3: There was a lad who was playing for Northern Ireland who managed to get two bookings for time wasting in the first half, and they, there was hell about it because how can you send someone off for time wasting in the first half? Well, he deserved it. They were they were playing for a nil-nil draw from the first minute, so I would I would like to see. I'm not suggesting for a second that that you know, it's not a sour grapes thing for what's happened the last couple of days. I'm a boring <laughs> Martin. He's wandered off.
2: But um I forgot to plug my laptop in. <laughs> oh, that's all
3: right. Mate. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah, I, I, I would like to see it because, you know, if you think about it, forget Saints for a second. It, it's an it's you know it's supposed to be entertainment and it, it ain't entertaining to have players rolling around from the you know from the from the start of the game and only seeing about 50 minutes of actual play or whatever it is it, it is something is frustrating but it's not going to change anytime soon as as Ben said but it w- it would be nice if it did.
0: I tell you what wasn't time wasting was was the Brozier injury. I, I mean the mm. shot that we got of his eye at the end. Mm. I mean it was bleeding. Mm. and tomorrow morning his face is going to be mm. up like a you know a smash pumpkin we were
3: losing at the time so it, it's not exactly going to be time wasted mm. yeah <laughs> exactly I mean, yeah, yeah. It,
0: it looked nasty mm. Yeah, we're going not, to need deliberate. Him next not deliberate. Not
2: So Sunday's defeat followed a disappointing night at St Mary's with the the two one defeat at Newcastle. What was your take off of that game, Nick? What did you make of that? Because you know, in isolation, it's not so bad, but maybe you know, today you kind of look at it and go, "This is it's not great." When you look at them together,
0: no, I think uh, Newcastle Newcastle's goals. I mean the the Bruno goal. I mean, people are talking about a back heel or whatever. That was a mule kick. That's it was freak. absolutely brilliant, <laughs> lo- lovely piece of skill. And and he, and to get in the position and whatever it's one of those it was a crowded box and then you had Shelby's Shelvy's delivery for 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 the wood goal I mean Salisu you could argue that he should have been tracking a bit, bit better but it wasn't it wasn't terrible defending so they scored they scored two good goals and we we scored one but again I was looking at, at the stats afterwards because while I thought it was a bit of a mere performance from us. The actual a possession, I mean, this was surprising when I looked it up, 68% we had possession out against 32 for them. Past success, 84% for us against 69% for them. Shots, 15 shots for Saints, five on target, five blocks, four off target, and obviously Shea hit the woodwork. Mm. Whereas Newcastle had eight shots, four on target, three blocks, and one off target. I mean, it, again, it, it can, you know, in our shots, Stu, uh, Mo had three each and Bruno had three for them. Shea and and Sally Sue also had two each. So we had shots. So again, it was, it was just, it was not taking our chances. It was not being clinical enough. I don't think it was a terrible performance because the statistics show that we had the possession. We had the shots. We didn't, we didn't convert them. So I was left thinking, absolutely. We should have won the game. And it was really disappointing. We didn't, but I don't, I don't feel, I didn't come away from that thinking, uh, that was absolutely awful because I was absolutely sure that we'd get three points today and everything would be great.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And there lies the problem. Ben, same result, different feel to the defeat. I mean, I was, Um, fuming after the game against Newcastle but when you look back on it you know we had our chances and as Nick says it it could have gone either way yeah totally I I think on another day you get at least a draw
4: from that game and actually I I probably thought it will be fine as Nick said we'll win on Sunday against Watford and actually you know three points out of those two games won't be too bad but I I didn't think we played that badly against Newcastle I think as as Glenn mentioned you know it was sod's law that two of their new signings were going to score the goals and and that sort of thing but actually you know on another day I think you get something from that game I I, I thought there was lots more energy than. And there was today, and we spoke earlier maybe about the the, the three games in eight days. But I, I thought the lineup for that game was right. I thought the the way that we went about it was right. I just didn't think we had the the luck of the
2: bounce really. Newcastle definitely came for a draw, didn't they I think Glen they disrupted the game's rhythm with every opportunity they had, and and it felt like the narrative was there that we just weren't going to win. And and just talking to some fans before the game, everybody just thought we're not going to you know, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. It just it just felt like. We were set yeah, up for defeat on on Thursday. It, it seemed to be all
3: set up for us to lose, but we didn't help ourselves. I mean, you know, Nick Nick mentioned the the first goal that we, that we let in. We're we're one 0 up. You you mm-hmm. keep it tight. For me, John Joe Shelby is a good player, but he's got no pace, and if you close him down, he can't play. And we, he he could have had a bath and changed his kit in the <laughs> time that he had to put that cross in because if, when you when you look at it, Romeo More Prowse are just stood there mm. you know they just stood there but they're not stood three yards from him they stood 15 yards from him going go on you cross mm. it and and Chris Wood who hasn't been able to hit a barn door since he signed for Newcastle I mean if it, if he could have chosen a set a scenario you know, <laughs> then it then it's that and yeah Salisu probably should have done a bit better but I, I find it quite difficult to de- defend uh, to Literally. you know to, to go in on Salisu because to, to be honest, people always go in on defenders and and I've done it in the past for, you know, for, for, for losing players and whatnot. But if there's no pressure on the ball, it just makes it so much easier for the forwards to line you up. Mm, mm. And, and that was the problem with that goal. Yeah, I mean, I, I've developed an irrational hatred for Eddie Howe um I think, I think i need help with it i think and i've also uh, even more irrational hatred for jason tyndall because he's just like it's uh, just he's just nothing i mean what did you eddie, refer
2: to him as in your blog i can't remember now can we repeat oh, it or not little, maybe little not dog or something okay. I, you know <laughs> just, eddie gets
3: sacked from bournemouth or leaves or whatever and they give tyndall the job and he gets sacked within five minutes so that that shows what he can do with without eddie how but he's he's always there in his ear i just yeah i can't stand either of them and um Newcastle's sort of management of the game, shall we call it, in the second half was straight out of the Eddie Howe book that mm. he, he had at Bournemouth for years. So uh, I'm not the biggest fan. And I, I do, um, and I think most of what annoys me about him is the fact that he seems to have this St. Eddie um, media image. But uh, anyway, enough of my natural
0: uh my uh, not, irras-
3: irrational hatred of people.
0: But not uh, not for much longer, I think. The way that he's sort of fielding the difficult questions he's now being asked as Newcastle manager, you know, he's he's I, I don't think he's particularly handling that well. He was asked today after after the match at Stamford Bridge if he had a view on the fact that Saudi Arabia had a mass beheading of eighty-one people yesterday, and his reply was, "I'm sticking to football." And it's Eddie Howe's a bright bloke, you know, he, he knows who he's working. for for, and it's a difficult situation for him to be in, but I don't think that's going to get easier for him. The other thing I would say about the back, back to the football is, the Pravka had a really good game. Hmm. I mean, I can't remember who, he, he made four saves, but one of them was, it wasn't Gordon Banksian, but it was, there was who, I can't remember who... The strong one, was it? But, yeah, the one, the one where he, he dived in, to his right Salas, and... Hedder, Salas 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 Hedder, Thales Thales yeah. I thought we did it.
3: okay, but again, I thought we made it easy for them, we made it easy for them to defend, we didn't try and get round the block that they set up on the edge of their penalty area. We didn't try and go over it. We just funneled everything down the middle, tried to pick our way through. And yes, the stats might have looked good, but I reckon, you know, if you take our take our very high pass completion rate most of that would have been in front of eight Newcastle players mm. yeah you know yeah I mean talking talking about stats is always a bit of a dangerous one and I am likely to jump down your throat because <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> at the, bottom line, no, the bottom line is is that it's what you do in both penalty areas that matters what you do in the middle half of the pitch you know either side of halfway at the end of the day it's propaganda as Gordon Strachan used to say passing the ball of passing the ball around there, great. It's what you do in the boxes. And we created a couple of chances similar to today, we, we created a couple of chances in the last couple of minutes against Newcastle and and we did today against Watford. But it's just not enough. There was not enough urgency in either yeah. performance for me in the second half.
0: No, I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. And, and so. I think we were definitely, we were complacent to degrees in both games, particularly today. And the last thing i say on this is I'm assuming, Glenn, that you're taking no solace from the fact that we were XG winners today. <laughs> 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 uh, 1.48 versus 1.25. Well, that's, yeah, that's good. Good. How, many, how many points <laughs> do we get for that? Oh, no joy. In the uh, XG table, I don't know.
2: Three. Um, Ben, just on the, uh, the the Newcastle game, have teams worked out how to play against us now? We talked about that at Villa. They seem to have a plan. Newcastle certainly did. We couldn't get around them. Um, we were playing a lot of the game in front of them. And to a certain extent, again, today they, they were well drilled. Is, is this going to be a problem now?
4: Yeah, I, I think we've always struggled against teams, Martin, that have come to St Mary's and kind of, I, I wouldn't say Newcastle sat deep, I, I, you know, but but ultimately try and encourage us onto them and then exploit or, or you know, we, we know from the game against Burnley a few years ago, lumping it up to Chris Wood, we know what teams are going a deal i mean that's why they've signed him right so i i don't think that teams have necessarily worked out how to play against us what i think is that we've just not done ourselves justice the last couple of games um and i think really that's probably the thing that's going to kick you know the team and kick ralph over the next couple of weeks while they're mulling it over during the fa cup ahead of the next premier league games. so i think as we said earlier the positives are that we haven't played as well as we could have in both of those games and we've lost them if we played well and lost it'd be a different thing but you know, you've got to understand in the Premier League, analysts are watching teams all the time. And even if you change something one week, you'll then have to change it again the, the following week because teams will be on to you. So I think you just have to to be aware that results can, can change quite quickly. And, you know, the point was made earlier, just to finish, is that we are quite streaky under Ralph. You know, we always have been. We win a batch of games, we lose a batch of games. And this just feels like
2: one of those bad periods, unfortunately. Fingers crossed. Well, we get a break from the league now because it's Manchester City in the <laughs> FA Cup. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't laugh. <clears throat> nice, easy game.
2: manchester city in the fa cup at the weekend it's going to be on the telly we had the nil nil in september the one all at st mary's in january is this going to be third time lucky glenn who for (laughs) (laughs)
3: um well the good news is is that you know we've struggled the last two games against teams that have sat back and that's probably the best way to beat us is is to sit back suck us in and then basically you know hit on the break you know that Pep won't do that he won't give a monkeys about what we do he will mm. and and to be fair that's what we should have done today we shouldn't have cared too much about what, what Watford we're going to do we should have just played our natural game but um, and Pep will do that and, and they will try and dominate possession and you know they will they will have 70% possession and they will pass the ball a thousand times and it's just a case of whether we can hold out keep the concentration going same as it always is against them as far as we're concerned if we can get to half time still in the game you know and by that I mean level then we'll have a chance in the second half. But uh, the, the concentration has got to be there. And as we always say against when you're playing a Manchester City or a Liverpool, you know, one of the absolute elite sides, you can't give them anything. So if we defend anything like we've done in the last three games, we've got no chance whatsoever because they they will score. And once once they get ahead, it's, it's very, very difficult to, you know, to get back. I mean, that's, that's been the key to our getting points against Manchester City this season. We haven't gone behind in either game. Mm. So, you know, that's that's got to be, I mean it sounds ridiculous, you know, game plan, don't go behind, but that 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 <laughs> is really the, the Written main on the whiteboard. <laughs> yeah, that that really is the main thing from this game because once you do go behind and you're chasing the game, which you inevitably would have to do because it's a you know a one-off cup game, then mm. it's uh, it's very very difficult. And um, we've got no way of knowing what team Ralph will put out. We we of course have got no way of knowing what team Pep will put out. I can't imagine Ralph will go for, you know, nine changes again
2: that was going to but, be my next question <laughs>
3: yeah well you can ask someone else that um but you never you never know you never know what's um what's coming you know that <laughs> if the ticket price is any indicator it's kind of it's kind of halfway between the tenner and the 30 quid so
0: maybe it'll maybe it'll be five changes
2: <laughs> and Nick but what have you to... made of, of Man City and, and their team this season and how do we go about getting a result on on Sunday
0: obviously they're they're an absolutely brilliant team they've got they've got 50 million 250 million pound players in every position and they're all absolutely brilliant and on their day they could rip anybody apart I mean we've had we haven't lost to them this season we have beaten them in recent times you know they'll be up for it they'll play attacking football they'll pass us to death and they're absolutely capable of 9-0. You know, I mean, if we like like you say, if we play anything like we did today in the first half, they will be five up at half time because our defending was shocking and force wasn't good either, and it was terrible. So absolutely they could completely steamroller us. I'll be intrigued to see what Ralph does. I mean if I, you know, get to next Sunday and and look an hour before the match and Willie Caballero is in goal, then God help us. I mean, I know we all thought that before the West Ham game, and, and then we the team confounded all our expectations and we ended up winning and he bought on Stewie and Broyu at half time and he managed it well. But it just I, I wouldn't have any confidence. You, this is not a game three wins away from winning a first FA Cup from nineteen seventy six to be making nine changes. It just isn't. Mm-hmm. And if he does that, if he puts Gineppo in the starting lineup and Will Smallbone and Caballero and goal, then then I will have the same reaction, and, and we won't we won't win a second game with nine changes. It won't happen. Mm. Manchester City are just too good for that. So what I really hope will happen is that he goes with the best 11 players. Now, whether he's, he's got the decision over Livermento, does he play Livermento or not? That might depend on his fitness and what he's doing in training. But he's obviously going to play two out of three of, of Kyle. He's going to play Kyle walter Peters, definitely. Whether he's at left-back or right-back, we don't know. And then it's Perot. That's one decision. Salazar and Bednarek, you'd hope he plays Forster string goal. I mean, you'd hope so. Obviously, he's going to play Ward-Prowse and Romeo, Stewie, Elanousi, you'd imagine. And then Shea. And then it's down to, is Broya. Is bro you can bro you see out of his right eye come next Sunday <laughs> yeah. you know if he can't then he needs to play a striker up front so yeah. for me probably Armstrong Adam Armstrong and that's the team I think we should be playing and then you know does he does he his other option is does he start the game thinking right we need three central defenders to tr- to try and yeah. you know mitigate against attacking? and I would think absolutely not like play to our strengths. You know they're going to come at us. They're going to leave space for us to attack him. You play your best team, and that's what I hope we do. It's no guarantee we'll, we'll win. Saints being Saints, we'll get a red card in the you know third minute, and we'll be five 0 down at time and and then we'll be you know Shane Long will come and get an 89th minute consolation. But for my money, you play your best team, and you you say to them, look, you've lost three games in a row, but the FA Cup, you know, if you beat Man City in this round. The FA Cup is a live prospect for Southampton, lost, and, yeah. and that's what we want, isn't it? We want yeah. to win a trophy, yeah. And yeah. so you, you you pick your team accordingly.
2: So we don't know who he's going to pick, Ben. But is it down to whoever is picked needs to have a great individual performance? Oh. That you need to have the game of your life, don't you, on Sunday if we're going to get anything out <laughs> of that?
4: Yeah, I mean. I was looking at the stats earlier we've lost more games this week as in Aston Villa, Newcastle and today the Man City have since mid-October so they've lost two games in all competitions <laughs> since mid-October so that says a lot um, I can see a comment about hoping that uh, City plays a weaker team from Vicknell. Um I looked at their lineups for all three games Swindon they beat 4-1 Fulham they beat 4-1 Peterborough they beat 2-0 he's played strong sides in all of those so I don't think we're going to get a weakened side from Pep because having not won the Carabao Cup you know they're, they're obviously in the frame for the Premier League title and the Champions League but he's going to want to do well in the FA Cup as well so you're right and you know we, we said it before we played Man City at home a few weeks ago we need them to have a bad day and we need to have a great day we need to have nine out of tens and ten out of tens pretty much across the team to have any chance so mm-hmm. look as we know, I mean, you know, there's always a saying about form goes out the cup in the window. Saints have got nothing to lose. You know, I, I think they've just got to go out there and try and give it everything. If if you're one or two nil down, you still have a go because there's no real negative to losing three or four nil by having a good go. What we don't want to do is sort of go out there, be a bit magnolia, lose two nil, happy days, shake hands, the game's over, disappear. You know, I'd much rather they went out there. And as Nick rightly says, we, we did, you know, we did well last year. We got to the semi final. We didn't do ourselves justice against Leicester City. Yeah. Go out there and have another chance to get to the semifinal and put it right.
2: All right, let's do score predictions. I know it's difficult because we don't know who's going to start and there might be extra time and penalties. Do you want to go first, Ben, and kick us off? How, how do you see well, it working out? I'm not going for 9-0, but
4: uh, <laughs> I, I, I've written down here 2-0 there. I, I just think our confidence is down a little bit. It's not an ideal opposition, so I'm going to go for a, uh, I say optimistic, but it's not
2: really, 0-2 Man City. Sorry. Okay. Glenn, score prediction from you? 1-0, win on penalties. Uh, <laughs> and Nick, this is the bit where we get it. hopelessly we're on, so... History tells us whatever we decide and whatever we talk about never happens, never materialises. So how do you see it playing out, Nick? What do you
0: reckon? Well, I'm, I'm very much going down the, the Ben Stanfield hosting route. As in, <laughs> I, I do think if Saints put out the best team and everyone has a 9 and 10 out of 10 game and they have a 6 out of 10 game and they only play Jack Grealish and Foden and Kevin De Bruyne instead, <laughs> instead of you know, other players, then we could nick it 1-0. But I think that uh, we'll be up for the fight and uh, lose 2-1 news 2-1 okay
2: thank you for all your comments tonight by the way um mark was uh, quick to point out earlier when i mentioned the international break for Stuart armstrong he says there isn't one for scotland because they don't have a game um, very true yeah, yeah. ukraine yeah. ah, playing ukraine yeah. so uh yeah so that's good so that might be something for us anyway uh if you've got any predictions just uh chuck those into the comments and we can always revisit those again
0: next week so uh thanks
2: nick thanks for joining us i hope you enjoyed that
0: i did i really enjoyed my debut thanks for having me on it's a great podcast big fan listen every week so in really Glad that you invited me.
2: I promise that we'll invite you back when we've had some better games next time. Right. Yeah, okay, so maybe, maybe
0: around autumn.
4: <laughs> yeah. I think it's been great, I think we've had more stats on the pod tonight than we have the last four years, Nick, so thanks very much and thanks for being a patron as well, I must say I that on behalf of the pod, too. so thank you. Yeah,
2: thanks, my pleasure,
0: great podcast.
2: <laughs> uh, before we go, a quick shout out to some of our loyal and much loved patrons. In our Matt Letizia tier, we've got Colt Baker, Dave Ernzberger, Ed Busy, Phil Cook and Nick Higston. In the Francis finale tier, we've got Nick Reed, Matt Hall and David Melton, who I think was traveling to his first saints game today Oh no. um, That was all no, we talked about last week so um our thoughts with david at the moment um, <laughs> safe trip home to find out more about becoming a tsp patron and all the benefits that come with that you can check those out on the website uh, thanks again to ben and to nick and to glenn don't forget to follow this podcast wherever you're listening on the socials it's total saints pod you'll find us on twitter and facebook you can always email us via the website during the week as well thank you for listening stay safe and well and we'll see you next weekend